Hey everyone, it's Brandon and uh, our good friend Dave, and this is Locked On Twins. We are so excited for today's episode. Can't you see that we're excited? Well, probably not if you're listening, I guess. But um, I'm excited. We're going <laughs> to talk to you about the ramifications of the Shohei Otani signing because it got a little weird. And then I have a Joe Mauer email for everyone to just digest and enjoy. This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello again and welcome back to Locked On Twins. I'm your host, Brandon Warren, and you can unfollow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. And across the screen, if you're watching on YouTube or across your radio dial, if you're listening in your car, is answer Dave Brown. Dave, how are we doing tonight? We're doing great, Brandon. We're not doing as good as Shohei Otani's accountant, but we're doing pretty good. Well, it, it's going to get tricky it's going to be a lot of fun, and there's going to be a Shohei Otani day akin to Bobby Bonilla, I think. But we'll see how that all shakes out. Thanks for making Locked on Twins your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, on YouTube. And as part of the Locked on Podcast Network, we're your team every day. Again, like to encourage you to be active in the comments. We like to hear from you on YouTube. We like the thumbs up, whether it's the emoji or the actual act of clicking thumbs up on YouTube. But while you're there, click subscribe. Click subscribe on Apple Podcasts, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, if there's a place to subscribe and or review, we'd love to hear from you. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Uh, Dave, I feel like as much as Shohei Otani doesn't have that much to do with the Twins, I still kind of feel like we should start with what in the world is going on with this guy. Um, How does that sound to you? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, every baseball fan is going to react to this, and I think a lot of them are going to go, well, hey, that's something that my team would never do. It hasn't well, done, and yeah. couldn't afford to do. You know, I don't know if that's true, but I think that's what people are going to think. That so, uh, yeah. Well, so Fabian Ardaya of the Athletic, uh, friend of the program. Um, I don't know if he's friend of the program, but I like Fabian. He's he's a good dude. He's great at what he does. Says that Otani will defer sixty eight million annually over the course of his ten year contract with the Dodgers. So, wasn't surprising that they would get unique with it. Um, Jeff Passan, actual friend of the show, I should say. I think I think Jeff likes the show. Um, says that the competitive balance tax is about forty six million. John Becker, who also friend of the show, uh, broke it How down. How many friends to, do you have? I don't mean to brag, but at least two or three. Um, <laughs> uh, but he did some math to kind of regress what the financial value is. In I'm glad somebody of- did it. Yeah, in, pra- in terms of practical AAV, because um, with deferred money and everything, $70 million in the future is going to look a lot different. So I think it came out to like 40-something. 40 46. Yep, 46, something like that. And then you have you know how it affects the CBT. Um, 
it feels like there's a dueling dichotomy here. They wanted to change the game in a lot of ways. 700, nobody thought 700 was even going to be a whisper of possible. And he'll get his money, but it'll still be at an AAV that's at least a little more, a perceived AAV that's a little more stomachable. What we it would be. But with that said, what, I'm trying to make heads or tails of it, and I really can't right now. Well, from the Dodgers' standpoint, it's going to cost. We we gave the number, for, the estimates that I've read. This is other people's math: forty six million dollars to the uh, CBT, so the the competitive balance tax. So that's what it's going to cost the, the Dodgers on that ledger. Uh, Otani's going to take. It's. It, I thought at first I'm like, oh, he's he's deferring. 68 million, 10% of the salary or, you know, 9% or whatever. No, it's 68 million a year. It's crazy amount um, that he's going to get sometime. Uh, He's going to make $2 million a year for the next, I don't have that in front of me, but you know, 10 years or something. And then the rest of the contracts going to be like 68 million a year for, you know, 2043 or 44. So you mentioned Bobby Bonilla earlier. So it's a, uh, it's going to take a while. And the thing about it, I always like to explain it like this, the money in the future because of interest payments. And w- when you defer that much money, it's not worth as much in the future. Just think about what you could buy for $20, 20 years ago. You can't really do that anymore. So um, $20 yeah, is worth less than anymore. It was 700 million. What was that, Brandon? I don't think they even sell Walkmans anymore. So, I mean, your point is, it's a dual point. You can't buy something that cost $20 back then now, and it probably doesn't exist. So, I mean, right. Yeah. Unless you go uh, resale shopping like some of us, but um, in the bargain bin. But yeah, mm-hmm. so that's basically it. That money, today's $20 is tomorrow's five or 10. Yep. So um, I think I did that right. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that's backwards, but money is worth less in the future. So that's what it means to the Dodgers to uh, get a break on it in that way. And it's a $46 million. It's not a cap hit. That's a phrase we use in basketball, but it's a uh, competitive balance uh, cap. Otani's just, it's, he's very practical about this whole thing. It was his Mm -hmm. idea reportedly to do this. You know, he's, he's making, well, we'll see how much he makes. He made uh, reportedly about 20 million a year from off the field stuff with the angels. And, you know, you, you can't find the Angels anywhere, really. So you can find the Dodgers pretty easily. We'll, we'll see that probably double. So he's not going to be hurting for money. Uh, the Dodgers uh, cap, <laughs> the competitive balance uh, hit is not too bad. They'll be able to uh, – that's another thing. It's not like the Dodgers couldn't have gone out and spent money anyway, even if Otani was actually making $70 million a year. They These guys are billionaires that own the team. They have lots and lots of money. Um but it will uh, give them uh, – it will make them feel better about the additional money that they spend on the team in the near future. So it, it kind of works out for everybody except, like, you know, fans of the Twins or whomever you want to insert into that equation. When you look at what the Dodgers need – and, again, I know we're not locked on Dodgers. We're not locked on Angels. We're not locked on Shohei Otani. Um, you know, if that show existed, I think it would probably be Ben Verlander. But um, – Maybe we should do it so he doesn't. Yeah, he's got. I think he's got enough on his plate right now. Um, this has got to give them a leg up on Yamamoto, doesn't it? And I don't mean 
like necessarily that they're friends or anything like that, or that that one presence helps necessitate the other or whatever. But just from a financial standpoint, the fact now that they, and they desperately need pitching because Hershaw's left arm is borked. Um, we don't know what Urias has coming down the pipeline and, and honestly don't care. Um, they, just, uh, they need a lot of help in the pitching side of things. They've got to be in the uh, pole position, don't you think, for Yamamoto at this point? I love pole position as a video game. It was one of my favorite Atari games, and it's a really apt uh, metaphor here. And, and yeah. they, you know, as good as the Dodgers are, uh, you know, Otani is not going to pitch this year. We saw what happened to the Dodgers last year uh, in a lot of ways because of their pitching that kind of disintegrated. You could even sort of see it coming. Yeah. Um, you know, they they need – they're in a good position. They have been sort of building for this offseason for years, not uh, – you know, people would complain, hey, why aren't the Dodgers spending an excess amount of money this offseason? Well, they're getting in position to do something like this. Yeah. Uh, waiting for Otani and uh, Yoshinobu is uh, is probably a good bet to come over and and – make 300 million or whatever. We'll see what he defers, but you know, they need a guy like that uh, definitely in the rotation. Otani isn't going to pitch. The funny thing is about, you know, they, they probably aren't, uh, you know, maybe Otani makes them favorites, but they still have holes amazingly in this lineup. So money doesn't buy what it used to on a baseball roster either. So they need somebody like that, a big time free agent. And they, they need him to be really good. Uh, uh, the new guy from Japan. So it's yeah. uh, it, it sets up, nicely for them to get him and they kind of needed to get him to make and this team a winner, which is what Otani wants. And it wouldn't be entirely unreasonable for the final uh, financials to be $1 billion combined between the two players. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You, um, the people who can't see, I'll narrate this as uh Gabe Brown just did. I was doing the Dr. Evil pinky. Yeah. So um, I, I do want to come back to this. I, I did tweet as a joke that, uh, the Dodgers signing Otani confirms that they'll be eliminated in the playoffs by the 84 and 78 Cincinnati Reds. So baseball uh, humor is the funniest kind of humor. It, well, cause you can't, you can't fake it and you can't make it up because it's too absurd. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick second. Talk about our friends at FanDuel. When we come back. I want to ask you a couple different things about this contract. I want to ask you about a few different things. Uh, some relievers landing in the AL central, which could be pertinent to what the twins do this offseason uh and a few other things including as i noted the joe mauer email of the year but first a word from our friends friends easy for me to say at FanDuel. as the weather gets colder the nfl offers stay hot on FanDuel. right now new customers can get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins if for some reason your team is playing on Monday night, because for some reason or another, they have consecutive games or games playing at the same time. Not sure who thought that uh, two games on Monday was a good idea, but not my job, not my prob. Anyway, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The season is really, really ramping up. My Vikings are in position to at least make the NFC playoffs. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with the rest of the North. I always want to call them the NFC Central just because I'm old like that. That was uh, God's but, division. 
Exactly. Black and blue division. The app is so easy to use, by the way, for FanDuel that uh, there's a wide range of betting options. So you could use uh, spreads, player props, overs, unders, pretty much anything you can imagine and much, much more. And again, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So if your team wins, 150 bucks. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's locked uh, locked on as your keyword on FanDuel.com. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. All right, Dave Brown, we are back. We're into the bullpen. We're into the shank of the evening, as it were. And um, lots to get to. What I want to ask you is this. If any other team was going to offer a contract like this, um, who do you think it would be? And like, how many teams off the top of your head do you think could actually stomach this level of risk? Because, you know, it's money in the future, so it's less risky in that respect and not that much money up front, so it's less risky in that respect. But, um, you know, there's a lot of fans saying, well, my team wouldn't have been able to do this, which, again, ignores the fact that he was if he was getting 500 million, your team wasn't going to do that. 600 million, your team wasn't going to do that either. Um, Is there a list of teams that you think could have actually done this and made it work? Sure. I'm not sure how, uh, you know, there's some people out there that would tell you, well, any team could do it. Um, I think. The other side of that, though, is all the, you know, would Otani want to go there? You know, yeah. he would the the risk for him is playing on a team like the Angels that just kind of meanders around. The Angels could afford to do it, something similar. But he's seen how the Angels work. And it's, it's uh, you know, they had Trout and himself and uh, and they couldn't, like, break 500. So, right. um, it, it's kind of a tricky question here, you know. Sort of getting at what you're getting at, I think. Uh, I, you know, I'm a believer in uh, you know real revenue sharing in Major League Baseball. I think there should be more of that. I think uh, the um, mechanisms that they have at this point are are inadequate, and uh, you know, I, I don't think that uh, the problem is that Otani is getting all this money and only a few teams can afford it. It's that um, the teams aren't spending enough money, and there certainly are teams that have um, more revenue to spend than others. So I think it is a an owner's problem that they've never really addressed. They've kind of half addressed it, and I think that's where um, you know giving inducements for for a competitive play and uh, some actual real revenue sharing would help balance the situation out a little bit. Uh, but most of these guys that own the teams are really super duper wealthy people and they can afford to spend more money than they do on the teams and they come up with excuses not to. So I think that's that's really the the crux of the the problem if there is one with Otani. It's not that he's a problem. It's that uh, the system that the owners have put in play uh, is inadequate to make sure that everybody spends as much as they can and is, are able to, to compete. With this Otani situation. And, you know, we've heard more as time has gone on, as far as kind of the inner mechanisms of if the, the Dodgers thought they had a chance at him. And when he was on the hypothetical plane that, 
he never took. Um, what is your major gripe or at which part of the whole thing is your biggest gripe? Because Bob Nightingale had a really good article in USA Today about how <clears throat> journalists have been used by agents for a long time. And this situation, I think, really shed some un unkind light on that. Yeah. Um, when you look at the situation and you assess it, and granting, of course, that we still will probably learn more when the 30 for 30 comes out eventually. Um, you know, where do you stand? Because there's people and there's people I respect and and respect greatly saying, you know, that maybe some of this wasn't necessarily on the up and up. At the end of the day, you're supposed to get your guy paid. Nez Bolello does a tremendous job of that. He represented a few twins when I was covering uh, a lot more than I am now in Phil Hughes and Trevor Plouffe. So I got to meet him, created his job. Did you have any problems with like the ethics of if they had leaked the Dunedin meeting with the Blue Jays or if they leaked that he was on the plane and, and JP Morosi ran with it? I, I feel like I'm kind of dancing around the point here. Where do you stand on this whole thing as uh, ethics from an ethics standpoint? It's well, it's, it, it is kind of hard to know what Shohei really wanted. I mean, he came out and said that he, uh, you know, didn't from like a privacy standpoint, didn't want everybody up in his business over this. I mean, that's fine. Uh, but I also, I don't know, like, you know, you mentioned the, the agent Nez. I mean, is it's a, completely orchestrated on his part. And if so, you know, you kind of tip your cap to him. Um, so I don't have any like ethical problems from Otani's standpoint, like how he wanted apparently to handle these things, or even if he lied about it through his agent in order to get the best possible deal and throw people off the, the scent. It's up to us. It's up to me. It's up to the reporter, whomever it is to, uh, be certain that what they're putting out there as fact is fact. And uh, we kind of fumbled that this time to borrow a metaphor from another sport. Um, you know, that's the, uh, that's really the the big thing. Not even that we were chasing the guy or hypo, you know, uh, on a, with the airplane uh, scenario, but it's that, um, you know, I, I think he, the reporter was fooled. I don't think it was on purpose that he said a, stated a falsehood, but or a lie or whatever you want to call it. But um, you know, I think that's where it's a it's it's kind of a blow for uh, sports journalism and journalism mm -hmm. in general that people aren't necessarily going to trust what they read. Now, I think a lot of people are already real cynical about it, and I think that's okay. I think it's, uh, you know, to, to not necessarily trust, you know, don't believe everything you read. That's kind of an old saying anyway. I think yeah. that's uh, sort of a safe way to be. But uh, since it kind of blew up in spectacular fashion, that's really where the, the, the crux of the problem is with me, that it's kind of up to individuals, you know, to remember their training, their Jedi training, and mm -hmm. not uh, blurt out absolutely everything that you're told. Don't believe what you read. That goes yeah. for journalists, too. Uh, giving, uh, you know, when they give out news to the world. It's uh, don't believe everything that you're told. We read a story in second grade called Beware of Ballyhoo, and I'm surprised I still remember it at this point, but it was in our Hofton Mifflin textbook, and it talked about, I think our friend, um, 
Jason. Another friend. Boy. Jason. Uh, yeah, right. Jason Collette. Jason Collette, I think, actually works for Hoffman Mifflin, believe it or not. Um, but anyhow, it was in there and it was just saying, you know, don't believe everything you read. And kind of funny how prophetic that wound up being considering yeah. the Internet became mainstream a couple years later and, you know, all of all of that. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's a really, really good point to not believe everything you read. Um, I'm going to write a book called uh, Beware of Ballet Sports. So, <laughs> a little different. I wonder if you, you could know, get somebody the managers at the top uh, trying to make a book too much of a buck over uh, content. It's not you know with a bad app. That's gonna yeah. those are the elements of the story. So we'll, maybe, we'll see if maybe buys it. someone writes you a forward for it. Uh, that'd be cool. Um, speaking though of uh, writing things, how about we talk about this email from our good friend Dave in Lakeville? A real person, <laughs> apparently. <clears throat> This was sent going on 160. Yeah, this was sent to, I believe, the Baseball Writers Association of America. I don't know if it was the Minnesota chapter or the national chapter. It's it's unclear. But Dave from Lakeville, I won't give away his last name because um, someone with that name did some questionable stuff that we're not sure if it's him or not. So we'll just leave that out of it. You can find it if you want. I know what you're talking about, too. Right. But I'm not going to say because I'm responsible. Good job. Yep. And he is he is also not, I don't think, on a plane to Toronto right now. Um, I am 60 years old and a lifelong Twins fan. Joe Maurer is on the ballot this year, and I want each writer to know that he does not belong in the Hall of Fame. His three batting titles and MVP would make the average baseball fan think that he is a sure thing. However, my take is different. Joe Maurer was blessed by God with incredible baseball talent. However, the only time he showed it was when he needed a big year in order to sign a huge contract. What 2009 showed was that he had the talent to drive in runs and help his team win every year. But unfortunately for the Twins, that was the only year he did that. In 2010, he was back to hitting for average and again driving in mineral, minimal runs. Mineral runs would actually probably have been good. Uh, he made his $120 million. What more did he want? Um, it was actually $184 million, editor's note. Uh Sure, he hit for high average, but weak flares to left field will not win games. He was the last guy in the lineup that I wanted to see at bat in the clutch. Uh, a lot of people here in Minnesota believe injuries kept him and the Twins from winning. Buckle up, we're only halfway through here. Uh, the problem is that his is is that his injuries were made up. Mm. It was reported that he suffered from made-up injuries like bilateral leg weakness, whatever that is. The truth is that after... He was at the truth is, is we've got a lot of emphasis on is here that he was only after the dollar and didn't care whether the team won or lost. The twins won exactly zero playoff games during his entire career. Um, you read that right. They never won a playoff game. Technically, they did. He just didn't play in it. Um, he was an above average catcher, which was half his career and an average at best first baseman for the remainder of his career. Yes. Three batting titles as a catcher does deserve recognition in the Hall of Fame. I don't think it was three. I think it was two. Uh, but he does not belong there. If feats get you a plaque, then Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders deserve to be enshrined. Don Larson, Johnny Vandermeer, Roger Maris, and Tommy Brown, who hit a home run in the major leagues at age 16, according to this guy, I can't verify that, <laughs> belong there. Joe Maurer has similar stats to Bill Madlock, Al Oliver, Nomar garcia Para and Will Clark. I promise we're almost done. Uh, the difference between those players 
and Maurer are that those players really tried every year to help their team win. Um, our friend Dave definitely verified these facts. I'm sure that the Minnesota contingency of writers will all vote for him, but I'm hoping that the majority of you are not blinded by the capital mad, capital Homer, capital love against all reason that has been shown to him forever. Hell, his jockstrap wasn't even out of the dryer in the clubhouse before the Twins retired his number. Vote no. Thank you for your time. Um, this has been Dave from Blakeville writing one paragraph. Yeah. Boomer. Thoughts. Where do we go from here? Well, speaking of bad journalism, there's a couple things in there about made-up injuries and <clears throat> um that's the part. It's like we know that Joe Maurer, I mean, I haven't seen the CT scans, but we know that he's had concussions. It's uh yeah. that would be a hard thing to fake. Somebody would, you know, root him out, root that out, and uh if that was some sort of uh, conspiracy. Yeah. Joe Maurer did not and but but let's get back to the, the journalism thing. I think that was you know heavily implied. Um that certainly maybe that he wasn't making it up but that it wasn't serious enough for um, the time that he missed or the position change or truncating his career. You know, I remember a lot of, not a lot, but I remember several, you know, high place columns written about Maurer uh, during his career that were, were unkind and, you know, kind of untrue too. Yeah. And uh, assumed a lot of things, not in evidence, your honor. And I think that's where, um, you know, that's where a lot of people get their nerve to say stuff like this. And, um, you know, a lot of untruths in what Dave, this no relation to this Dave, has written about Maurer, um, you know, misleading, um, immaterial things. You know, he tried, he didn't try. It's like, how do you know who's, let's just assume everybody's pretty much trying. And huh, you yeah. certainly don't know that he, he wasn't. It's just... Um, you know, not we're on the one hand, we're giving it a lot of attention and I don't want to do that, but it's, it is, you know, it's hall of fame season. Joe Maurer's up. Uh, people have these arguments. These are real are dumb arguments that people have incorrect arguments. And uh, the more we refute it, uh, at least, uh, you know, we give a, people a chance to uh, look things up themselves and decide for themselves. Uh, but this guy's full of crap. As, as a, Twins podcaster who covered Joe Maurer, but doesn't live here. And so hasn't been boiling in the Joe Maurer, uh, bathing in the lukewarm Joe Maurer takes for the last, frankly, 20 plus years. Uh, what, what does that feel like to you? How does that come across to you? Because it's just mind numbing to me. As I mean, it's, uh, a teenager when people, Joe was drafted. People, yeah. People love, uh, the term self-hating. I think there's some self-hating going on. I think, you know, uh, you know, he couldn't have been that good because he was a twin and the twins are my team. And the, yeah. there, there's something going on there that the, the person doesn't think much of himself or Minnesota or the twins or and um, seriously, it's uh, it doesn't add up to reality. Uh, you know, Maurer was a was a better, probably a better hitter than he was a defensive player, but he was he was a very solid defensive player. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, you know, I, I looked this one up myself. He's got the third best OPS, not adjusted, but the third best OPS in history among people who were catching while they were hitting. What I mean is uh, in games in which Joe Maurer was the catcher, 
yep. only uh, Piazza and Mickey Cochran have a higher OPS. So, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy who uh, is w- w- one of the best hitters as a catcher for anybody who's ever played. Um, yep. You know, it didn't, uh, his, his career was short. And, you know, if you want to take points off or say, well, you know, he's, he's not the third best catcher of all time. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But if you want to take some points off, that's fine. But the guy, you know, on a scale of are you in the Hall of Fame, are you not in the Hall of Fame, he's in the scale somewhere. So um, it, it's not a, a ridiculous thing to say. I think, you know, it seems like, it sounds like maybe they're just loud, but the, the, the hometown discount, so to speak, for Maurer of, you know, that he's not as good as everybody wants, uh, see, that seems to be as loud as, you know, any homerism. You know, he's mm-hmm. talking about, he's worried about people thinking Maurer's going to be a Hall of Famer. It seems like most people, you know, maybe they're just loud, but, you know, they don't feel that the hometown guy is good enough for the Hall of Fame. It's fine to, you know, disagree and stuff, but to make yeah. up points, it's just, uh, it's really disappointing. And I, I think Dave from Water's Edge or wherever he is, uh, he's had some head injuries too, because he's making some pretty damn bad arguments. Yeah, yeah, no question about that. Uh, a couple of relievers landing in the AL Central. Will Smith for five million bucks on a one-year deal with the Royals. Andrew Chafin for four and a quarter with incentives with the Tigers. Uh, both guys who theoretically could help just about anybody um, had their warts last year, as any non-elite middle reliever does. But that four to five million dollar range probably is where the Twins would swim. I think most likely if they were to do a one-year deal. Yeah. Um, is it that at this point, the fact that they're waiting, you know, maybe that they're not really willing to gamble on guys like that this early on when, um, you know, like Will Smith had a 4-4-0 ERA last year, started out hot, really faltered down the stretch. A guy like Chafin, if, um, you know, if he struggles, he can go from very, very useful to just another guy pretty easily just based on handedness and all that. Yeah, um, you know, is that where the Twins should be swimming, free agent reliever wise, or or what do you feel about that specifically? Well, you know, Will Smith has some miles on him that Chavin doesn't, and mm-hmm. that, I mean that seems like a a good a solid move for the Tigers. Smith, uh, I believe, has been on the World Series winner like three years in a row. I think you're is, right, which is very odd. I don't think it's going to be four if he finishes the season with the Royals. I don't think the Royals are quite there in the rebuild yet that it's going to be another world series. Um, right. He, he does seem to me like the kind of guy, well, this, this should be like a February 1st deal and maybe he just wanted to get it over with. I don't know. Uh, the, the Rangers had, as the season went on, lots of issues. I mean, he was really good in the first half and uh, you know, a guy who was getting outs for a bullpen that otherwise wasn't. Yeah. And, and then by the end of the regular season, they really, it, it seemed like they couldn't trust him, but, uh, relief pitchers are strange. Uh, they they get it and then they lose it and they get it back and nobody knows why. It's a big <laughs> mystery. Um, it's maybe not that much of an, a mystery to the pitching coaches, but it seems like yeah. a mystery on the outside. So there's guys like them available. Again, don't panic, folks, just because Chafin and, uh, and Smith are off the board. Uh, but the Royals, I saw, uh, I don't know if it was Bob. It might have been Bob. Uh, linking them to uh, Marcus Stroman and Lucas Giolito and other people yeah. who would really help the road. You know, that those are guys that are going to be costly, probably, yeah. you know, but they're, they're guys mm-hmm. that maybe could help them. Yeah, I actually had that set up here. Uh, Flaherty and Waka were a couple more names that came up 
with the Royals. Um, it's tough for me because I look at it and I look at where they're at and I'm like, you know, nine years ago today, the twins signed Irvin Santana. Nine years ago today, the twins were in a position to not really need a guy like Irvin Santana, but no team needs Irvin Santana, but it, it's more a meaning of like, we're going to spend, we're going to add some talent and all that. Marcus Stroman, none of those four guys really, unless you were to get Lucas Giolito back to 2021 or whatever he was his best year with the White Sox. I don't have it off the top of my head. Um, that, that player has value, but it would be very hard to get him to that percentile outcome. And it still probably wouldn't move the needle on your season that much. How do you balance that though? Because you want to see teams like that actively try to improve, but the brain knew that if you were the GM would say, eh, I don't know if this is the right move right now. Um, right. Do you ever have that conflict up here? Yeah, I do. As somebody who uh, maybe as a, uh, as a student, if not a scholar appreciates analytics um, you know, that's sort of where that drag, that drag, that nagging sensation comes in. All right. Well, do, do we really need to sign Marcus Stroman to an $80 million contract over four years or whatever it's going to be? Uh, right. There, uh, but, you know, is there a better way to spend the money? Uh, you know, maybe, but, you know, is there a player that makes sense that will come to Minnesota at the same time? Kind of that whole Irvin Santana uh, syndrome sort of thing. So, uh, yes, those things, you know, go through my mind, even though it's not my money to spend. So I understand what, what gives them pause. Um, and that's why I'm still for the twins going out and bringing Jordan Montgomery in because yeah. I think he would be better than all of them and he would be more expensive, but they'd be, uh, I think we'd, we'd know what we're getting last year. Stroman ended the season very poorly and we don't Weird. know why. And you're, you're right about Giolito. We're not, I think his results were not, I mean, his results in his last two teams were terrible, terrible. I yeah. think he was probably better than uh, that with the White Sox. So he has less of a wilderness to come out of than Stroman. Stroman last year, his velocity was down at the end. Thing, you know, his spin was down. Things were not as uh, they were at the beginning of the season when he was looking like, you know, he's making himself a lot of money in free agency, and he probably still will. Lots of questions, though, with him. Well, parting shot, uh, Red Sox announced minor league invites to spring training. Cam Boozer and Mark Contreras, a couple of former twins on the list. My question to you is this. Do you think it's a weird time to send out those invites to spring with Christmas cards and everything going? I mean, I know you want to get them out early because uh, I'm kidding. Uh, it, it always makes get me... lost among the family photos. Is that what right. you're saying? Yeah. And if, uh, you know, if it doesn't show up in the mail, I don't, I don't know. I mean, mail's that been. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Might be weird. I don't well, know. The, uh, I know you got to mail in your Hall of Fame ballot, and there's no other way to do it. So uh, I, I hope that the Hall of Fame doesn't get a, you know a lot of uh, other conflicting mail at this time, especially from weird fans talking about Joe Maurer, and so they they lose ballots in the mail that way. I don't know, but it, it, it's a very real possibility. I'm kidding, of course. But okay, so I will not send the BBWAA a Christmas card this year. Um, the Joe yeah. Maurer, I think he needs to pick me up. Perfect. Uh, well, hey. Uh, Thanks so much, Dave. Uh, I think what we're going to do next with Locked On Twins is uh, we're going to do kind of like report cards uh, from the 40-man roster yeah. this last season as we wait for what appears to be just uh, forever for the Twins to make a move. But in the meantime, like we'll, uh, we'll reminisce on what was a pretty great season. Uh, how does that sound, Dave? 
I can't wait to do it. Awesome. Well, we'll probably start as soon as tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out with us. This has been Locked on Twins. For Answer Dave Brown, I'm Brandon Warren signing off and saying we'll see you tomorrow night.